space, time, reality. Everyone has their concepts of these, but um, are they actually true? What if I told you that all those terms, all those concepts, are about as fluid as water? This anthology series contains stories that flow between them like a wandering river between the mind, the body, and the soul, boldly influenced by the powers that were, the powers that are, and the powers that will be. This is Dark Charm Presents. Episode 309, Season Finale, Fire and Ice. Sion Henry Reeves, formerly a pinnacle of excellence within the Ordo Vitalis, was now a victim of the organization that he once purported and protected. He was on the run. He worried about his wife at home as well as his children. What would the Order do to them? How would it affect Anna? Were they in danger? A million questions ran through his head as he drove north through the cypress trees of Louisiana. Henry, you're, you're wasting your time. I have to get Anna and the children out of the situation. They don't know what danger they're in. Dumbledore, do you really, really think she doesn't fucking know? Leaf is right. This is a complete waste of time. Henry buried that deep down as he continued to drive. It was comforting to know that Leif and Juice had his back in all of this, but at what cost? About a quarter to one in the morning, Henry arrived at his house. The lights were on in the living room. Henry put the car in park and took a deep breath. Are you guys going to come with me? No, Henry, this is, um, this is your issue. We won't get involved unless you wish us to. Look, if she's actually uninnocent in all of this, and trust me, I highly fucking doubt it, we'll take them with us. Deal? Henry got out of the car and quickly walked up to the doorway. He opened the door and looked around. Anna? Darling? Where are you? A small voice came from the living room as Henry walked into the other room. I'm in here, Henry. Anna was sitting in a rocking chair trying to put the baby to sleep. Next to her, sitting like an automaton, was Milo and the body of Molly. If he didn't partake in the procedure to cast her soul aside, it would have unnerved him to watch the being. Anna smiled as Henry walked in. Hello, my love. We need to get out of here. You're in danger. Danger? There is no way that I'm in danger. Honey, you don't understand. Grand Dragon Pistale has marked me for death. Milo, can you please take Abraham to his crib? I need to have a talk with your father. Yes, Mama? Milo said as he grabbed the baby from Anna's arms and walked out of the living room. Henry noticed her lack of urgency. It unnerved him. I see. She peered outside and waved at Henry's car. 
I had a feeling you'd brought them. Fifty years worth of marriage. Down the drain. Living in a time loop makes you wonder sometimes. But as for being down the drain, the love I have for you is infinite. It's for this reason that I am giving you the chance to leave now. Anna, please, don't do this. You, you betrayed the Order. You betrayed the Grand Dragon by allying with them. One minute, I... One minute, I, I think I'm doing the Grand Dragon's will by associating with Juiced Leaf. And then all of a sudden, they had me marked for death. What happened? What did I do? Anna pulled a 9mm with a silencer attached seemingly out of nowhere and pointed it at Henry. Quit shouting, Henry! If you wake, Abraham, I will kill you where you stand. You... You would do that to me? Yes. Yes. You betrayed me. You betrayed the Order. Again. Please enlighten me on how I did that just by following orders. The death of Jack Belosian. You let Juice kill a very influential backer of the Order Vitalis without the permission of the Grand Dragon. That strike one. The second came at the blatant disregard for following the Grand Dragon's orders by researching Juice. All, all of that contributed to your inevitable dismissal from the Order. Where is the third strike? If this is why I've been marked for death, then, then why wasn't I given a third strike? I should have been summoned to a meeting to resolve the issue. I could have fixed this. No, 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 you dove too deep into oblivion with Robert Meadows and his lover. By accepting their gift of friendship, that was the Grand Dragon's last straw. You could have stopped the destruction of several safe houses if you would have just done what you were told. But instead, as always, you had to persist. You had to know. Seeking knowledge is the number one tenet of the order, forbidden knowledge or not. Maybe in Philip Minot's Order Vitalis, but not now. At this point, for the sake of our relationship and love, I'm asking you to leave instead of killing you right here and now. I am giving you that last chance. But the next time we meet, I will kill you. Understood? Henry stared into her eyes. Whatever love she felt for him was still etched upon her face in an act of heartbreak. It pained him that it had come to this point, but it was what it was. Her love for the Order of Vitalis was greater than her love for him. But that was always the intention. He knew deep down that was the case, but firmly believed otherwise. He was abhorrently wrong. After what seemed to be minutes, Henry turned his head to the back room. Can I... Can I at least say goodbye to the kids? No. But rest assured, they will remember you fondly. One way or another. He sighed in anguish and shook his head as tears rolled down his face. Anna, why... I could ask you the same thing, Henry. She said, not as a bold killer, but as a heartbroken wife. Henry knew if she would have fired the gun, he would have a spell ready for it. This was not done to hurt him, but to declare intention. The next time wouldn't be so cordial. 
He turned to walk out of the house when he saw Milo carrying a suitcase. This was planned. Here, Father. Here are some clothes for your journey. Henry nodded as he grabbed it out of his hand and walked out of the house. Stepping out of the house, he could feel a ward immediately come up barring him from entering further. Now he knew how Adam and Eve felt when they got kicked out of Eden, he thought, as he walked to the car. He put his bags in the trunk and entered the car. Juice broke the silence. Hmm, so how did it go? You know full well how it went. Uh, yeah, we knew. That's why we told you not to come here. Henry put the car in reverse and backed out of his driveway, knowing that it was going to be for the last time. A quarter mile down the road that the lights began to blacken out, not due to a power failure, but like if someone threw a blanket over the world. Henry couldn't see. What the? Henry stomped on the brakes as he turned to Juice and Lake. He saw them momentarily before they disappeared into the black as well. Henry's eyes widened. He wrote this maneuver as he made a circular hand motion to shield the car just as a barrage of bullets began to stream through the car in all directions. The barrage became so extensive that Henry began to feel intense heat coming from around him. The car was now on fire. He couldn't see it, and he could barely feel it. The force field spell that he cast was working. Henry called out to them. He couldn't hear them. Henry had to think quickly. He murmured two words in Latin. Henry disappeared from his car and teleported to his left, a few feet outward from the cloaking spell. He could see five men in black robes and hoods firing the automatic weapons. They didn't seem to realize that he was gone from the car as he lifted his hand to the sky. Fomina! shouted as the other robed individuals turned around too late to see thunderbolts of lightning stream down from the sky and electrocute them. Sadly, they didn't die as some of them probably were shielded from the blast with spells of their own. The ones not affected stared at him. Traitor! By decree of the Grand Dragon, you are sad of spells no more. Your life is forfeit and you will be extinguished," one said as he removed his hood. Underneath the hood was Brother Marcus, the older man who he was fond of from the older library. He never realized that he was a sorcerer as well. Three others flanked him as they muttered under their breaths. Flagella Mignus. Whips of pure flame came screaming from their hands, blood red and hissing with power. Henry shook his head. So many of you were my pupils. Do you really think I am so pathetically helpless that you would come at me with fire whips and I would just lay down and die? Vagellus Ignis! Henry sprouted two whips of fire coming from each hand. However, his were bright orange, crackling with energy as arcs of lightning traveled from the tips to his hands randomly. 
it cased to the former Scion in a terrifying glow. In normal circumstances, it was cumbersome to wield more than one with great ferocity without great concentration, but Henry had mastered this practice long ago. They came at him and thrashed their whips at him. The smell of burning flesh and cloth permeated the air. Henry winced in pain as he tried to evade them. He was outnumbered. However, they were not powerful enough to inflict any real damage, but they persisted. You may have been the master of the crafts, Reeves, but you cannot wield two flame whips effectively. But more people mean more power. Brother Marcus shouted as the remaining members were to catch his limbs, and restrained under the bonds of pain, but shouted back. I got you right where I want you. Henry threw his whips out and grabbed Brother Marcus and the hooded spellcaster next to him by the throat and decapitated their heads clean from their bodies. Brother Marcus's head responded while on the ground. Oh, bother. The other three began to try and pull his limbs from his body. The effort was futile, and Henry pulled with everything he had, dragging them to him. A bright green flash lit the sky for a moment, blinding the attackers but empowering Henry. His entire body felt like it was aflame with energy feeding him and his powers. His pain didn't diminish, but was used as fuel. In the chaos, he didn't quite place what it was, but it seemed to fuel his anger. Henry let out a blood-curdling laugh as the effect of a joy-inducing drug seemed to flow through him. The other sorcerers looked at each other quizzically. What the hell is wrong with him? His madness has broken him! No! I am free! Free from the chains the Order has placed on you! Brothers! Libra Sanitatis! A radiant orange light shot out from Henry and slammed into the remaining three assailants and set them crashing to the ground. Their bodies convulsed under the strain of what they were just mentally injected with. Within seconds, their bodies were lifeless, but their souls wafted out. Henry stood before them in complete majesty. Souls of the dead. My wraiths of oblivion. Who do you serve? We, we serve, serve Lucifer in chaos. We, we are yours to command in the name of Betelgeist. He stripped off his shirt and retracted his flame whips. The Odor Vitalis has lost its way. And as the mortal arm of the Crimson Legacy, we must be vigilant against the forces of light. I now know that blood is our legacy. It took the Divineling Horde and the Titans to remind us to remind me of what we lost with the fall of Philip Minot. Others will need to be free, but it will be done. A pair of clapping hands could be heard from behind him as he turned around to see Juice and Leif clapping proudly. Leif turned to Juice in a mockingly crying scene like a mother at a graduation for her baby boy. <laughs> Juice, our boy's finally grown up. Oh. <laughs> Bravo! Bravo! Well, 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 Doctor Strange is coming to his fucking own. Look at that. I am so fucking proud. <laughs> Holy shit, Henry. <laughs> Do you know where you're going after you die? If you don't know, consider coming to McGee's. Our easy, affordable, and welcoming plans for you and your post-mortem care are ready. 
Allow me, as the owner of McGee's Funeral Home, to show you some of the wonderful, local, and non-felon employees that we have working here. This is my son, Craig. He will aid you in your transition in complete style. Uh, yeah, yeah, me and Pops and all the others will make sure, will make sure, just fucking God. Yeah, but how do you fall over standing still? Uh, uh, my wonderful daughter Connie will introduce you to the many plans and options we have and will help you make the right choice. Here at McGee's, we care and want you to have the best experience possible. If there's anything I can personally do to make your experience more memorable, don't hesitate to ask. And here are Harry Osgood and Jay Wentz, two of our amazing Earth Removal Engineers. Earth what the what? I thought we were Undertakers. Dude, we're Engineers. That's a step up from Gravediggers. Is that a fancy term for an indentured servant? Maybe, but who cares? I'm still telling Mom I got promoted. Oh! <laughs> Hello, I am Harry, and I will make sure that your digging and burying experience is a pleasurable one. And I am Jay, and I will make sure that your dissections are just perfect. That's dimensions, you halfwit! Craig's handwriting is atrocious. No wonder I fucked up. As you can see, we here at McGee's are the parlor for you. Come see us before and after your plots. And cut. Ugh, great. We can edit all that stupid crap out, right? Sir, that was a live feed. Catch all the crew of McGee's on Fun With Dirt. Only on Dark Charm Radio Shows. And now back to Dark Charm Presents. The next morning, Anna Reeves was awakened by the sound of the telephone going. Milo was sleeping in the bed with her. She sat up in bed as she looked for the telephone and answered it. Hello? She answered. She had not slept well that night, but it had nothing to do with the baby. Get dressed and come outside. Now. A cold and calculating voice commanded from the other end. She knew it was Grand Dragon Pastale. Your, your eminence! Yes, I will be right down. She said as she quickly hung up the phone, jumped out of the bed and started to undress. Milo, who had slept in the same bed, woke up and looked at his mother in a confused state. Mom, what's wrong? Milo asked as he straightened out his breasts in his pajama shirt. I must go outside. I need you to do me a favor, okay? Yes, Mom, what do you need? If I do not come back inside, or if someone tries to come in without me, I want you to open this envelope and follow these instructions, okay? What do you think's going to happen, Mom? I don't know, but please do what I ask, okay? And please keep an eye on Abraham. Follow these instructions to the letter. Yes, Mom. 
Several moments later, Anna Reeves, dressed in a floral print sundress, sunglasses, and hat, walked out of the home to see a long black limousine and several guards in suits outside. She bowed to them in respect. Good morning, gentlemen. Dragon Thugood and Grand Dragon Pastani wish to speak to you, Capo Reeves. Anna didn't object or complain as the guards opened the back of the limousine and let her get inside. One guard entered and the other closed the door. Seconds later, the limousine pulled away from the house. The limousine pulled in front of a large office building in Birmingham. There was a slight chill in the air, one that was uncommon for this time of year in the South, as Anna Reeves exited the vehicle. The whole trip was in silence. Anna never asked for anything, and the guards never spoke. This gave her an abundance of time to reflect on the night before. She, along with her guards, walked into the building and to the elevator. Her guards didn't come on as she was told to go to the penthouse suite. She pressed the glowing button as the door shut. As she rode up the shaft of the elevator, she could smell faintly the odor of a myriad of smells put together. As the doors opened, she could finally place it. Frankincense, myrrh, lavender, and sage. She walked off as she was greeted by the sight of naked women and men in other forms of sexual play. In the midst of them was Dragon Thomas Thurgood, a middle-aged but very attractive man, who saw Anna walk in and immediately stopped his heavy petting of the buxom brunette on his lap. Capo Reeves. Care to join us? Anna, who was not very comfortable with her surroundings, nodded nervously as she took several steps forward. Dragon Thurgood clapped his hands together forcefully twice and shouted over the din of desire. My pets, I must conduct business. Please leave us. The hedonists all got up without protest and left of the room as Dragon Thurgood grabbed a robe and placed it around his body. Can I get you a drink, Capo Reeves? Uh, no, no, thank you. Um, sir, what is this about? I, I must get back home to my... All, all, all in good time, darling. Are you sure you don't want that drink? A pang of fear began to swell up in her. No, I don't want one. Very well. Dragon Thurgood replied as he poured himself a glass of red Merlot that had been on ice. He grabbed what looked like a remote control on a nearby table and pressed a button. A large white screen began to lower behind him as a projector turned on. Uh, what is... do you use this screen for your orgies, Lord Dragon? A knowing smile came from his face. Among other things. A live video feed came over the projector as the face of Grand Dragon Pastale appeared. Hello, Pastale replied in a cold, knowing tone. Your eminence. What do I owe the honor and privilege? We must discuss the recent actions of your husband, family, Capo Reeves. When I finally gave the order for his execution, I was expecting for it to happen immediately. Yes, yes, your eminence, this is true. A pause came over Pastale as he seemed to stare a hole into her. Then why, when you had your husband in your clutches, did you allow him to leave unscathed? Uh, I... I... I know the reason why, and it's okay. A courtesy for the relationship you share. But do you ever once explain to him the whole story? Did you ever tell your beautiful husband that the baby you carried wasn't his? A blush came over her face. Huh. No, your eminence, I did not. Your loyalty should have been to me, not to him. I gave you what you wanted. Oh, Frederico... Don't you use my name so casually. 
You are still subordinate. Tears streamed down Anna's face. I'm sorry, your eminence. Pistale's anger seemed to subside just a little. Sadly, I am now without a proper scion in your district. Lord Dragon, what do you think I should do in this matter? Thorgood stood up and bowed before the projection screen. Well, your eminence, what I would do would pale in comparison to your amazing leadership and worthy ways. However, since you did ask me, I would propose the following measures. I'm listening, Thomas. Since she is my capo of spells and has not done anything out of our codes or conduct until now, I would endorse her as your new scion of spells on one unwavering condition. And that is? That the sole reason she is promoted is to hunt down her husband and kill him to protect you. Regardless of his status with Mr. Meadows and his cohort, I think their protection of him is cursory. Henry Reeves is a curiosity and a plaything for them. They won't give a damn about him when things become detrimental to them. They have an agenda, and for some damn reason, our contacts in the Defiling Horde are mute on this matter. Pistale took a deep breath and sighed. Then this is what I will do. Anna Reeves, you will now be referred to as Lady Hemlock, Scion of Spells. And if you do not do as you promised to do, I will make sure to come to your house and slit the throats of both of your children. That includes the abomination in the body of Molly Anderson. Personally, do you understand? Cold sweat came over Anna Reeves as she had to come to terms with the proposal and the revelation that the Grand Dragon knew about their activities. Yes, I know all about the experiment you and your husband conducted. It was perfectly evil and perfectly delicious. However, as I said before, I won't hesitate to crush it like a dead flower. I... I accept your proposal. <clears throat> I, I will become your Lady Hemlock. Pastale clapped his hands together. Excellent. You are taking a plane to Baltimore and will be meeting with Sion Garvey there. He has some issues he needs help with as well. Juice and Leif, accompanied by Henry, approached their home, happy to be back after the events of the evening. When they parked, both Juice and Leif stared at their extravagant home for a long while. Is something wrong? Henry was tired and confused, asking out of curiosity and a hope to the end of the entire ordeal. <sighs> yeah, someone tried to break it. I'm sure they thought they'd get the drop on us. Doesn't work that way, though. Juice growled in a low tone and retrieved his phone and pulled up something hmm. on it. Be right back. Leif stepped out, leaving the other two in the car. Do you... Do you have an alerting spell or something like that? Yeah, but also video doorbells. All the rage. Felt the need after an incident that happened back in the 70s. Wasn't pretty. Lost a lot of shoes. Pissed me off. Juice smiled and showed the video playing. No sound. Two men in suits had approached the door. They were order operatives. Henry recognized the look. One of the nameless men reached for the door handle. The moment he made contact, both men let out silent screams as they were rendered to shadows, 
then nothing in moments. Juice and Henry exchanged a look before their attention was returned to the device. A young woman, dressed as a boy, with a familiar haircut, approached the door with an envelope in her hands and paused, looking directly into the lens. Milo? Henry asked aloud. Milo laid the envelope down on the doorstep and walked away, glancing back once more, hoping someone would open the door. No one did, and Milo disappeared off frame. How long ago was this? Maybe he's still in the area. Hmm. Hmm. No. No, this was seven hours ago. There's no chance. Henry began to say when Leif opened the door and sat down next to his lover, handing the envelope over with a sad look on his face. Juice looked at the envelope and his expression became the same. What? What is it? The giant man handed the sealed envelope to Henry, who took it, and read the address aloud. To Henry Reeves. The former scion of spells hurriedly opened the paper container and pulled out the letters inside. His face was crestfallen as he read aloud. Paternity test. Abraham Reeves. Beaumont Hospital. Anna Reeves. Match. Parental Henry Reeves. No match. Federico Pestale. Match. Parental. It was a long time before any of them spoke. Finally, Henry broke the silence. Did you know? <sighs> I'm sorry, Henry. No. No, we didn't. Henry was filled with rage, and he leveled his gaze at the giant man. Don't lie to me, Juice! Henry, we... Henry, really, we didn't. We had suspicions, but could never really prove anything. This happened before we were involved with you, Henry, but we didn't know. I'm, I'm sorry, I truly am. Juice poured everyone a drink and handed them out. Huh, Jesus, fuck, Henry. I'm sorry. I, I truly am fucking sorry. Henry nodded and sipped the fiery taste Look, of liquid. The city is hunting us, and despite our positions, war right now isn't profitable. Trust me, I ran the numbers. Okay, Leaf ran the numbers. So in lieu of recent events, we're gonna go talk to some folks in Baltimore. Take a bit of a vacation. Maybe, I don't know, visit a dumb museum or something. Ooh, I love dumb museums. I know you do, baby. If the whole city is hunting us, how are we getting out? Juice smiled as he pulled the car forward aiming toward the airport off in the hazy distance. <laughs> Private jet, David Copperfield. How the fuck else? You have been listening to episode 309, Fire and Ice. In the cast you heard, Gatekeeper Emeritus and Grand Dragon Pristale, played by Dan Mac McCloskey. Henry Reeves, played by Jesse Kirkland. Leif, played by Danny Atwell. Juice played by Miguel Pedroza. Anna Reeves, played by Emily McInnell. Milo Reeves, played by Stacey Atwell. And Dragon Thomas Thurgood, played by Chris Engel. All other parts, played by Ferg Burfel. Thunderstruck by ACDC. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Dark Charm Media, copyright 2022. All rights reserved.